It's time for the Contempo Coding Podcast. Discussions, knowledge, and insight to help you succeed in the medical coding industry. And now, here's your host, Victoria. Hey there, coding crew. It is Friday and it is good to be back. You may have noticed that I was not here last week. Last week was just kind of a rough one and reinforced some thoughts for me that I was having prior to even starting the podcast. You know, I put out two YouTube videos every week and It's uh, a lot of work to put out those two YouTube videos. I've got it down to a a pretty good science. So if all things go well, I can get them recorded and edited by the end of day on Sunday. Uh, If not, I do a little bit of editing then during the evening hours. But when I had started the podcast, one of my big concerns was, you know, is that going to eat too much into my time? That's a lot to, to do within a week is to... YouTube episodes and a podcast, and I think I'm dialing back to my original thought of making this podcast bi-weekly instead of weekly, and I think that's ultimately the way it's going to have to go just for my own mental sanity of having to uh, not take on too much, especially now that we're going into soon returning to school. Uh, I think I've mentioned in the past I have an eight-year-old daughter. She's going to be starting third grade, and she uh, is on the spectrum she has an IEP which is an individualized education plan so under normal circumstances she tends to require quite a bit of reprompting during the day as well as just some uh, additional social supports and she you know her attention span's not great so knowing that she's going to be starting virtual school again in a couple of weeks plus my YouTube channel plus my dog is just oh my gosh you guys I can't take it. I I finally had to just put a gate in my office because otherwise he's just jumping up on me all day. And I hate, I hate putting him in a crate all day. But in any case, uh, I think it's, it's just going to have to move the podcast to bi-weekly so that I can keep up with the YouTube episodes and still get to my offerings. I'm actually working right now on a new free CEU course. I have not put out a new free CEU course in a while. So currently I am working on just a course on modifiers common to the medical office and I'm hoping to make that available for free for one CEU. Now I know it has just been crazy in general for everyone and I'm hoping that everyone is having a much better week than I am. Uh, Hurricane, or I guess guess Tropical Storm Isaiah came through and uh, it was look, it was very rainy. There was quite a lot of water. I do have a creek next to my house, but it is like several feet down under a retaining wall. So everyone that I've talked to has told me in the past 20 some years that they've lived here, all of my neighbors, they've had no problems. It's not in a flood zone, but it's for some reason, of course, as soon as I move in, uh, <laughs> there's, there's problems. So, There was a considerable amount of water that came through. I had to move my car uh, before the the mechanics of my car flooded due to the waters that were coming up from uh, the fields across from my house that had flooded and just everywhere. And uh, my basement was doing really well there for a while. But for some reason, as soon as it stopped raining, it backed up uh, about three inches into my basement. We unplugged as soon as it started coming in, you know, all of the uh, equipment down there. Thankfully, I don't have a lot of uh, stuff on the 
floor. You know, my boyfriend took his computer and unplugged it and stuck it up on top of the desk. So everything there is okay. But uh, yeah, we borrowed a, a pump from my, my neighbor's <laughs> funny story I have to tell you so for those of you and I don't think there's many that listen to this podcast but if you know me very personally uh, I am kind of a nerd and I I have been playing Pokemon Go since day one since the game actually came out and I'm still playing Pokemon Go and I very coincidentally happened to move next door to one of the guys that I play Pokemon Go with. He got into the game because his son was playing and then he got hooked and his son kind of dropped off. And so we have run around uh, the, the, the neighborhood and stuff together and, and battled various raids and used to talk to each other on Discord. Uh, and he was kind enough to, to loan us his sump pump so we could pump out our basement. And uh, we got a dehumidifier and some fans and things are are uh, drying up down there. There's a check coming from the insurance company. So I'm really cr- got my fingers crossed. It's I, I think it's going to be enough to maybe DIY some fixes down there. But I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that my brand new washer and dryer are okay. And that my oil tank and my heater and everything are okay as well. They're a little bit uh, elevated from the ground. So I'm hoping, really, really hoping that everything's going to be all right down there uh, and that the money will cover <laughs> the cost for the the basement and the, the drywall. But, you know, I've been through some tough times in the past and things can be replaced. You can get new money, but you can't get new people. And that's one of those kind of mindsets that I have to keep myself in right now. So even though we lost maybe some stuff, uh, everyone here is safe, and that's the important part. And also, the electronics did not the electric did not go out, so my daughter could still continue to just play Roblox while uh, the basement was flooding. Anyway, today I want to talk a little bit about certifications. I've been getting a lot of questions lately about certifications and next step certifications as well. When it comes to certifications, we have AAPC and we have HEMA and I, of course, serving on the board of directors, am an AAPC fanatic. Uh, and I think that the CPC exam is probably still the most popular certification for medical coders to get. I have been getting a lot of inquiries about the uh, certified coding billing specialist credential through the NHA and absolutely nothing against the NHA or their certifications. I'm sure they're completely fine and there's nothing wrong with them. They could possibly even be harder than some of the other certifications out there. I don't know, but it seems like there's some sort of partnership that they have going on because I'm seeing a lot of colleges and technical schools that offer like a discounted certification for the NHA uh, Certified Coding Billing Specialist examination and that a lot of schools are pushing it, but more and more I'm hearing that coders that wind up getting that credential are not keeping up with it. And the reason is because it's not really wanted in the industry. And the best comparison that I can give is that AAPC and AHIMA are kind of like the Coke and Pepsi of the medical coding world. Those are the two major brands. Like everyone's familiar with them. They know that those are the good products. They know what to expect when they get those services. And that's kind of like AAPC and AHIMA credentials. Like that's what everyone 
once. So they want a credential through AAPC or HEMA and the CPC is really the most popular certification. And again, nothing against other certifications, they might be perfectly fine, but those are the primary ones that everyone is looking for as far as employment because they're time tested. Everyone knows what the those exams are like and the uh, organizations that support them. I get a lot of requests from coders saying, you know, I want to get my CPC, but is there anything else? Like, should I get another credential? I want to maybe get two while I'm kind of in the mindset in that zone of studying for certification exams. And I personally feel that you will cast the widest net looking for jobs if you go for the CPC and the CPB, which is the billing certification. At the same time, reason being is if you can't get a coding job, which I know <laughs> is hard because when you go to school for coding, you want to get a job in coding. You're like, hey, I'm a certified coder. I want to get into coding. I don't want to work registration or, you know, pre-authorization. But I think, you know, if you can't get a job in coding, you can oftentimes get a job in billing, working in prior authorization, working in AR. So you're going to cast a wider job net for yourself, have better opportunities if you would get both of those. So if you can't get into coding right away, you could possibly get into billing. And then oftentimes employers have to hire an internal candidate over an external candidate because they're already paying for their benefits. They're already trained. They know the system. So many times if a manager wants to hire someone from outside, they would have to prove that that external candidate has huge, huge uh, advances and extra skills above an internal candidate. Now, if you're really into ITD-10-CM coding, you really like diagnoses, you might want to just advance into risk adjustment, which is fine. The CRC is a standalone uh, credential. I have seen a lot of coders lately that just have their CRC. They don't have any other coding credentials because they just like ICD-10-CM so much that they just want to work with that. So they've just gotten certified in risk adjustment. But if you are looking for a risk adjustment job, like you're like, oh, risk adjustment, that looks great. Then you could get your CPC and your CRC certified risk adjustment coder. And I do have certifications for that. If you want to go through my program, my students have done so amazing with passing their exam with this course. It is the AAPC's official curriculum. I have a license to teach it, but then I've like modified it. I've added extra stuff. I've re-clarified things. There were a couple of errors in there I even fixed. I've added some animations. Like you hear me, it's like, it's almost like a, like a webinar of me doing the curriculum. So it's on demand. You can do it whatever you want. You have at least a year of access. I don't terminate students like I, but I, I don't, but I don't like to say, you know, oh, you're going to have access forever. You're going to have unlimited access. You're going to have forever access. Like I won't terminate you from the system. I'm going to say though, at least a year you'll have it only because, uh, you know, if I, a year and a half from now decide to change learning management systems, I don't want to say, oh, well, you know, I, I promised you forever. So that's the only reason that I don't say, you know, unlimited or, or lifelong access to the course. So you can go to contempocoding.com if you want more information on that. Uh, risk adjustment has been very popular lately. And I can tell you, reason being is there's just so 
much that is reliant on risk adjustment, so much money involved. And I think providers don't even realize contractually sometimes how much of their payments can be adjusted uh, and how many different bonuses there are available through some of these quality payment programs and through these risk adjustment models. And now in their contracts that insurances are writing in that they'll receive you know, bonus payments or extra payments based off of their risk adjustment. And of course, they certainly don't want to receive payments for that that they're not entitled to because they didn't understand those regulations. There was a case in the news just this week, actually, uh, not a provider per se, but an insurance company. So the insurance companies, these Medicare Advantage plans specifically, receive considerable capitated payments based off of their risk adjustment scores of the patients that are enrolled in their program. And Cigna apparently falsified some of the health conditions of their Medicare Advantage plans members in order to receive larger payments from Medicare from CMS. So they used like a medical assessment that they uh, called the 360 defined health conditions that could raise their risk scores in these members and offered incentives to physicians who gave these examinations and found these uh, extra, you know, risky conditions that they could get extra money for. And it's estimated that Cigna was overpaid to the tune of $1.4 billion by CMS between 2012 and 2017. And the Department of Justice is actually seeking three times that amount in damages to recoup from CMS plus a civil penalty of $11,000 for each violation. So this is why risk adjustment is so huge right now because, you know, these regulations right now are are tough and those audits are coming and these audits are recouping and finding a ton of money. No one wants to have these kind of recruitment recoupments. You know, it, it, this is extremely damaging to these organizations. So it's important to hire risk adjustment coders to make sure that physicians are documenting appropriately and they're submitting the codes to their insurance correctly. And then the insurance is submitting that to CMS correctly for when they're getting their capitated payments as well. So, you know, it's just a lot of stress right now on diagnoses and those risk scores and making sure that they are appropriately applied and uh, warranted and validated within the documentation. When I started in medical coding, I had a supervisor who wanted me to learn three very important things. There's three important lessons she wanted me to learn as a new new medical biller, medical coder. And that was number one, always get the money up front, which means that when those patients come in for their co-pays, they better get that money. As soon as that patient comes in, like don't let them leave the office. She was known to chase people down into the parking lot to get those co-payments for them because she knew that if they didn't get them right up front and they had to bill and bill and bill, they might never see that money. The second thing she said I needed to learn was RVU is king. Providers, they're worried about their RVU, their RVU, because that's how they get paid. So that's what their focus is. They don't want to do procedures if they don't get a good RVU for them. They monitor their RVUs through reports whenever they can. Like if their numbers are down, they want to know why. So RVU is king. But the third thing she wanted me to know was that it only takes one diagnosis to pay a claim. So I would look at the super bills and if I could make out like one little maybe diagnosis, she's like, hey, that's all you need. That's all you need to get that claim paid. 
and right, wrong, or otherwise, that is the mindset that we've had in medical coding for years. Like, what does the diagnosis matter? We just need that to get that CPT code paid because that's where we're, where our money is. That's the, the money codes. That's where we're getting the reimbursement is from the CPT. We just need that diagnosis to support the medical necessity for getting that CPT code paid. And now it's changing. That whole landscape is changing. Now we can't just have... Uh, providers pump out patient, 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 but having bad outcomes of those patients. Now we have things like quality programs, you know, quality metrics, and uh, HEDIS and STARS and HCCs that all feed into that. So risk adjustment is really important uh, for those for those reimbursements. Now, I also get a lot of questions about the CPMA. I'm actually, I'm actually kicking myself lately because I've, I've gotten questions if I'm training for the CPMA right now, uh, as well as a lot of questions if I train for the CPC. And gosh, I wish I was right now. It's very soon. I think I'm going to have the money to purchase the additional license very soon to, to teach the CPC and maybe eventually the CPMA. We'll see. But uh, right now, so my thoughts on the CPMA. If you are an apprentice coder, you don't have a lot of experience under your belt. I'm not going to discourage you from getting the CPMA. I would never discourage someone from pursuing an extra credential. But what I will say is understand that that does not mean that you can just immediately get an auditing job because in order to be an auditor, you have to have seen a lot of things. You have to have experienced a lot of things. And that's why they want a few years of experience, usually three years or five years experience they want for a quality or an auditing type of position. So not saying don't get it, but just understand that that's something that you might have to tuck in your back pocket for a while. And as you're building experience and building experience, then once auditing positions start opening up and you can see, oh yeah, I meet the requirements of the three years experience, you can pull that CPMA out and go, yes, and I'm also a certified auditor on top of it. You know, you can't just jump from becoming an apprentice coder to going into auditing. You know, I, I like to use the comparison. You have to learn how to do the prep work in the kitchen before you become a master chef. So you have to learn how to boil water first before you can learn how to make souffle because there's just there's certain skills and there's certain things that you have to work through and experience beforehand. And kind of along those lines, you know, the CDEO, Certified Documentation Expert Outpatient through the AAPC, and the CPCO, uh, the Certified Professional Compliance Officer, I would suggest, you know, those aren't immediately going to get you a job. Like the credential itself is not going to get you a job. But if there's, if you've got some years of experience behind you, that is definitely something to put in your back pocket for when those positions open or put an extra feather in your cap, as it were, to demonstrate that you have some proficiency so that when those opportunities arise and you've got the experience, then you already have them at the ready. You don't have to worry about, oh gosh, a compliance position opened and gosh, I'd really like to get into compliance. Um, that's when you pull out, you know, I already have my CPCO, I've demonstrated some sort of proficiency versus, you know, oh, well, I want to get the CPCO. So it'll look better if you already have it. But again, doesn't guarantee you that you will be able to get a job in compliance or get a job in uh, documentation improvement. Specialty credentials are great, I think, especially for just almost demonstrating your proficiency. I know there are some organizations that do like to encourage coders in certain specialties to get those specialty certifications. Occasionally, they will uh, increase your uh, pay for that. It really depends on the structure of your organization, if they have maybe different tiers or different levels of coders. 
I have a specialty certification in plastic and reconstructive surgery, which currently is an archived credential. So no one is currently testing for it because the cost of keeping up the exam and printing the exams and keeping the test questions up to date was not being off put by the number of people that were testing for it. So they, it wasn't a, a profitable specialty exam, you know, it wasn't as highly desired as some of the other specialty credentials. So I get to keep my certification. I still have to find CEUs for it, but currently no one else is allowed to test for that. As things move online, hey, that might change. We'll have to see. They might open up that one. And I think chiropractic, and I think there was a couple of other archived credentials that the AAPC has. Now, one other credential that I will mention that I have seen growing in popularity that I would consider looking into if you're someone that's getting into like revenue cycle stuff is there's been quite an uptick lately of the CRCR credential through the HFMA. I've seen that, uh, I don't want to say highly in demand, but very, very well viewed in the industry, particularly in revenue cycle, like in billing and uh, financial management and stuff. So the CRCR is the Certified Revenue Cycle Representative Credential through the Healthcare Financial Management Association. It is a nationally recognized certification and it tests you on things like reducing denials, ensuring regulatory compliance, uh, and even enhancing the patient experience. So it's a pretty good certification as far as revenue cycle and connecting the processes to those financial outcomes. You know, when I started out in medical coding, most people only had one credential, but I think over time it's, it's almost like credentials have become like tattoos where once you get one, you, you start wanting to get more of them. So there's a huge amount of coders now that have multiple credentials. And oftentimes that does result in more income. You know, it certainly shows that you've gotten better proficiency in multiple areas. And typically when you have more certifications, you've probably got more experience because, you know, it takes time to sit and study and pass all those certification exams. But don't do it just for the sake of having alphabet soup behind your name. Uh, there are people I've seen out there with a whole paragraph behind their name. And oftentimes it doesn't necessarily mean that they are the smartest, best, most intelligent coders out there. In some cases, they've even developed those certification exams on their own website and just kind of assigned them to themselves. And also keep in mind, a lot of times when you have extra credentials, it means you have to get more CEUs in a year. And if you have them through multiple organizations, it means uh, CEUs throughout those multiple organizations. And sometimes they don't cross over. There are lots and lots of ways that you can set yourself apart and show that you have a little bit more, a little bit extra, uh, and, and set yourself apart. And I've got lots of ideas on how to do that, not even just in a medical coding stance. So that's actually gonna be the subject of my book that I'm currently working on. I've decided to kind of start getting the ball rolling on that since, you know, everyone seems to have their own ebook these days. Hey, I'm part of everyone. I can do an ebook. So currently on my wall is a large sticky note filled with smaller sticky notes with the topics of all the things I'm going to be writing about. And November is National Novel Writing Month, where there's often a challenge that goes across the internet where you try to write a novel within the span of the month of November. So I'm going to be 
putting together my outline just kind of slowly in between now and November. And then November, I'm hopefully going to be banging out uh, an ebook and I will definitely keep everyone posted on that. So uh, I don't want to reveal too much about the exact topic. And I have a very fun title for it, like a working title that my friends are all like, please actually just call it that working title because that's kind of brilliant. So uh, I'll be posting hopefully some updates in November about how that is coming along. I'm going to need you guys to help cheer me along through this project. And then hopefully I'm going to be self-publishing it through Amazon or, or whatever the popular self-publishing tools are these days. More to come on that. But until then, you guys, you just keep on coding on.